Hey there, thoughtful listener. This is Josh Elledge, CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. I'm so excited to announce our new Thoughtful Entrepreneur High Ticket Sales Coaching Program, which you can try absolutely free. No credit card needed. Head to upmyinfluence.com slash free. We're also actively seeking guests for our daily commercial-free entrepreneurial inspiration podcast, the one you're listening to. If you know someone who is doing six to eight figures in business, send them our way. Just go to upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now let's get on with the show. With us right now, it's Monique Allen. Monique, you are the founder of The Garden Continuum. You're found on the web at thegardencontinuum.com. You're also a business coach. We'll talk about that. Monique, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Josh. I Like I said, I'm very, very excited to be on your show. It's a great one. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Monique, <laughs> what do you do at The Garden Continuum? I build beautiful outdoor spaces and maintain them. So our method is called the Lifescape Method. So I wrote a book called Stop Landscaping, Start Lifescaping. And it's all about how to create organization, high health and vitality in your landscape so that you sort of get that wow factor and love to live on your land. Yeah. Okay. So um, where do you see most folks that get into landscaping? How do they get there? Particularly, and I'm thinking maybe of the ones that, uh, I don't know, what, what do you see is kind of the typical life cycle of someone who eventually, you know, starts growing a landscaping business? Yeah. It's probably a, in it, right? Yeah. I don't know. Well, it's a great question because I would say that more than half of the people in this industry somehow or other fell into it. You know, it's not one that your parents say, I really hope you become a landscaper when you grow yeah. up, you know, unless they're a landscaper. Unless, yes, right. Unless right? it's family business. Yes. And so uh, I expect huge. you to go out and, and mow lawns with us. And <laughs> mm-hmm. so it is a huge legacy business huge legacy business where you see kids following the footsteps of their parents. You see a lot of landscape companies, very, very following the sort of the agricultural model, been a farmer. Everyone in my family is a farmer. I'm going to be a farmer. Same with landscape. The other, there's another group that just sort of falls into it. I'm in that, I'm in that space where it was sort of a surprise happening. And then there's a third group, which is the one that is drawn to um, nature drawn to outside. Um, you know, they're the ones that go to the, the ag schools or the trade schools. They just know they're going to be working with their hands. Uh, maybe it could be to the chagrin of their parents, but, or their parents realize that this is what regulates them. This is what gets them really on point. Um, so I would say those are, those are really the three tracks. And for me, it was a fall in, it was literally, Knowing someone early on in college when I was entirely lost, completely directionless, not happy, who basically said, hey, you're strong. You love to be outside. Why don't you come spread mulch with us on Saturday? And after I late gave him a weird look, I'm like, what do you want me to do? (laughs) Mulch? Um, (laughs) It was like starting and realizing that I had just for the first time woken up and been alive. And then I couldn't look away. <laughs> wow. Wow. So um, a couple more things about the the kind of the landscaping industry. Um, you know, 
So as a female, is 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 the landscaping industry? Does it? It's, it strikes me as skewing a little male. Yes, it definitely. Uh, when I started, so I started in the eighties. I've been in this business for a very very long time, um, and I started my company in nineteen ninety one. And so when you know, back then it was very male skewed for sure. I was definitely mm. a, a minority, but it has. But there's a huge history of women in this industry. Um, you know, going back to Gertrude Jekyll and designers, and there's just amazing history for women, but it was never, the women were not in, in the contracting end of it. They were mm. in the design end of it, yes. uh, the stylistic end of it. I wanted to have trucks. I wanted to, I wanted to make the change and do the work myself. So that is less odd now. There are so many amazing women in oh, this yeah. industry now. Um, but yeah, it's it's been an evolution. Yeah. In which ways historically have you used maybe, you know, either your female energy or your female presence as a strength? I would say that um, because the women are the primary buyers, um, mm. there's an incredible psychological safety for clientele to work with women. We have a lot of women in our company. We're actually female skewed in even in our company. Um, and so uh, so that was a big one. Um, another one would be that as I work on developing my team and developing the structure of my organization, um, I was able to bring nurturing and compassion to it very early on. I did not need to be tough and I am tough, but I didn't have to be tough. Yeah. Nobody expected me yeah. to be tough. So there was an acceptance of the nurturing. So I'm a tough love business owner. And so it, it um, that is extremely acceptable coming from a woman. And it could be a little jarring initially coming from a man. But in my coaching practice, a huge part of what I do is help men tap into their amazing ability to be nurturing and compassionate and send that tough love around and build awesome teams. Yeah. How does one go from, um, you know, you talk about lifescaping, right? And so, uh, you know, I know, and I think a lot of folks that have been in business for a while know that, you know, while I think a lot of us maybe get into a trade because there's an opportunity, we're good at it, um, you know, we don't get bored uh, you know, uh, with the work. And so we're like, I don't know, I, you know, I enjoy it. And it seems like, you know, people appreciate it. So it's like, we keep doing it. Right. And then, you know, and then there's the, the business side of it. Um, and as the founder CEO, uh, can you talk a little bit about, um, maybe that challenge that, that others may have with letting go of, you know, uh, well, obviously sometimes, you know, you're going to need to hop on that riding mower because mm -hmm. you just got to do it. That mm -hmm. comes with the territory. However, I think what the primary job of a, of the founder CEO or the, the business owner is to do what? Well, if I, if I sort of cycle back to the beginning of the question, I think that the, you know, there is no better outline for the reality of the evolution of a trade service business than what Michael Gerber wrote in E-Myth Revisited. Yeah. You know, that that we start in this industry, you know, 90 plus percent of the time, people who start in this industry start as technicians. We do it because we love it. We do it because we have a passion for it. And then we get better and better and better at it. And then we do it because we're masters at it. 
at some point, there's a little flip where we think, well, why should I work for you when I could work for myself? Mm. And there's such um, a negative spin in the trade services around employment. We have a huge revolving door problem. Uh, We beat up and use up our employees. That's the historical truth. And so if you're very, very good at what you do, why wouldn't you do it for yourself? The, The rub comes when doing it for yourself, meaning you are going to be an owner, means you just own a job. And that job ownership is an incredibly direct path to burnout. And and what I think the trade service business professionals struggle with is making the change from owning a job to owning a business to actually directing, you know, an operation. And that is really difficult. And that's the piece where I think the evolutionary shift right now with the way recruiting is and the way we have to build our teams is really challenging and putting this mirror up in front of trade service owners and telling them, okay, it's time to think differently because if you don't, you're not just going to have burnout. You are going to go out of business. And this, we're seeing this just an incredible measure right now. So I think the challenge is self-awareness, It's taking a step back from your mastery and understanding that it's your job to become a multiplier. Great book, you know, and to start building um, the next generation so that we can keep this legacy of trade services going. You can't offshore this work. Yeah. Hey, can I ask as well, um, you know, given I think some of the headlines that we've experienced over the past year around um, the great resignation, um, obviously, I know turnover, you mentioned this, but I know that that's an issue. I have some friends that are in the landscape industry and Mm turnover is tough. It's it's been a a rocky road, (laughs) you know, over this past year. What can we do as business, whether we're in the trade services or not, or, you know, the service-based business or landscaping in particular, um, what can we do to create a much better environment so that we can retain great talent? That is such a good question. I'm going to give you a, a, a direct answer, but I'm also going to, to to send your listeners over to my Instagram where they can actually um, uh, purchase very low purchase price for a course called Stop hunting, start attracting your perfect fit employees. The the first thing that people need to understand as owners, as recruiters, is that we are in a really volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous environment, VUCA, right? You know, that fog of war, uh, the national, I think it's the Army College came up with that term VUCA. And that reality is um, is actually driving our employment market. So it's not just the trade services, it's everywhere. And that's why we're seeing the great resignation. So the first thing we need to do is solve each of those things. How do we look at volatility? What are the things in our business that can settle so that we don't have volatility anymore? We have to look at uncertainty. What can we clarify to help our employees feel more grounded and safe in our business? Complexity. It's huge. People people think that, you know, complicated and complex are the same. They're not. And so we need to start answering to complexity, which is changing from the mindset that a business is template driven and instead understanding that it's something you navigate. You have to actually become a good navigator. You don't just implement a piece of software and all of a sudden everything's fine, you know. Um, And then the last thing 
is ambiguity. This idea of talking around an issue and not getting to the point because we're hurt or we're, you know, we're afraid of hurting someone's feelings or we don't want a confrontation. Um, and that's why in my business, we work tough love because you have to get the agreement, the upfront agreement that your people are safe, you're safe, you trust each other, and you're going to enter a rumble because it's the only the only way you're going to get through difficulty is to have a little rumble with somebody in a safe arena. Um, and I think that's I think that's the place to start. And then in the class, I go through a lot of others. But to me, that's where we start. And that's where everybody can have implementation impact, like right after they listen to this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, so tell me, Monique, a little bit more around how you work with the trade services, like in, in because obviously you built up a very successful company and you're like, man, you know, I know I've heard of a lot of people struggling, maybe sometimes unnecessarily. I've learned a few things about business growth and development. Let me help the industry. And so in which ways do you engage with um, business owners and, you know, what would be some examples? Um, Because I know we've I've been throwing out service industry or trade industry, right? And mm-hmm. so, so examples of um, business owners that you've worked with. Okay, great. So, um, so I'll start at the end and work my way back. So, I'm a landscape professional. I've been landscaping, as I said, since the '80s. I've owned uh, my own company as freelance, and then owned start opened my first company in 1991. So, I have 37 years in the industry, and I have uh, 30 years of employment experience. So um, I graduated as um, uh, in entrepreneurship from Northeastern University um, in the late 80s. And um, I went to design school. So, you know, at graduate school. So so I I am embedded in (laughs) entrepreneurship and uh, landscape development. And I have always been involved in associations because I believe so much in open source information. and you know you pay your membership and then there's this so much awesomeness that you can get from associations so i've been volunteering for almost as long as i've been in the industry about 25 plus years as an educator in the industry and creating educational programming and so um you know and then i worked my way through and became like the president of the organization and you know for a minute and then just normal normal sort of progression of professionalism Um, And so what happened was I got my name out and people were watching what I was doing. And I literally came into coaching because people kept coming up to me and asking me how to, how do you do that? How did you do this? What did you do when? And it was sort of a constant, constant thing that was happening probably for a decade. And I loved it. I just would have coffee with people and whatever. And finally, a business owner, actually a, a female business owner, Uh, said to me, nope, I don't want you to give me an answer. I want you to coach me. I want you to help me build my business. And what I realized at that point was that owners in the trade services are enormously isolated because unlike other business models that lean more toward collaborative work, um, for whatever reason, tradespeople are kind of like, I got this. I can do it by myself. Um, I don't need any help. I'm good. I'm good. Right. And what happens is they end up in isolation and really bad things start to happen in that isolated state. 
And so I decided that what I wanted to do was help people out of isolation. So I work what I call a collaborative model. You're a CEO, you're the manager of, um, you know, a business where you're, uh, uh, working with employees, and you just need somebody to help you figure out how to navigate. I am a master navigator. I am a genius at finding the divine order amidst chaos. I grew up in trauma. I grew up with abuse. I'm a trauma survivor. I understand how to survive trauma by navigating your way out of it. So business can be very traumatic, very isolating. It can cause a lot of anxiety. And so my presence when I work with an owner is to help them find their core, help them find their center, because they're already masters. They're just in a storm and they can't find the portal. So my job is to help them find the portal so that they can absolutely navigate better in a hard business. Yeah. You know, one thing, Monique, I'm, I'm struck with is I love that you're willing to say, you know, I'm really good at this, right? And it's, and you're not delivering that in, in any way of an, it's, it's not an arrogance. It's, it's almost like an ownership of this is the skill set that I've developed and I have an obligation to use my superpowers for good. Yes. <laughs> That's the tone I get when I yeah, hear I you. <laughs> and, and, and I just, I think it's, um, I'd, I'd love someone who's listening to this to rewind a minute and a half or so and go back and listen to how you said that, because I think that that's like, that's so from, from a, a potential customer standpoint, like I, I want to know that you've got it right. Mm -hmm. I, I, mm -hmm. I love humility, but I also love, you know, that, that, you know what, you can lean on my shoulder. I, I, I can help you with this. Like that's, mm -hmm. it's a very, I don't want to say attractive. It's just, it's a very comforting uh, trait, I think, as a business leader. So, you know, think about how we can use that with our customers. And if you're, a, you know, you own a landscape company and, you know, say someone's dealing with a big problem and it's stressing them out, right? And it's yeah. causing them emotional pain to let them know, you know what, I've done this dozens, if not, you know, hundreds of times. I want you to know that there is going to be we're going to, we're going to take care of this. We're going to fix this. You're not going to have to worry about that again. We're going to take care. Like, that's really cool. And I suspect that that's, again, something that you've picked up along the way in engaging with both customers and employees, you yes. know, to, yeah, you know, to, to, to share that strength, even when we as business leaders and owners, sometimes we question, you know, ourselves and, you know, the imposter syndrome and all that other stuff. Um, yeah. But I, I do love, um, you know, the, the fact is, I mean, if you've been doing what you've been doing for any length of time, chances are you're better than 99.99% of the population at a minimum. Um, so therefore, you should uh, acknowledge that I uh, of the strength that you can bring to help other people. Yeah. And I think I, first off, thank you so much for saying that like that. Uh, it was just, um, first off, it made me feel great. So this is awesome. Um, but the <laughs> other piece of it is that I really do believe that part of what we are all trying to navigate as business owner, business owners is that ownership of who we are and what we deliver as a service into the world. I just did a post on my Lifescape TV about decision-making and the fact that we have got to get into a frame where we can boldly and definitively and unapologetically make the decisions we're making that are truly authentic to us. And that's the difficulty that I think a lot of times I see business owners 
grappling with. So it's not as though, and, and I've hired lots of coaches. I've spent tens of yeah. thousands of dollars on coaches myself. I've been involved in national peer groups where I've traveled across the country so that I could visit the inside and back office of landscape companies so that I could really, really understand them. What I came to after a probably like a solid 10 years of like huge investment in learning about how to run a business was that you can absolutely go to a coach to help you with your finances. You can absolutely go to a coach that will help you be a better designer. You can, you know, you can go to these very sort of what I would call a little bit more templated coaching. But what was missing for me was I couldn't find someone who could look at me as a human being, as an owner in a spherical, you know, 360 spherical kind of view to understand all the different facets that go into not only being an owner, but being a business. So if I'm in a commoditized business, like a landscape company, if I am trying to fight with price, I'm just playing the commodity game. I have to figure out where I'm unique. And if I'm afraid to call myself unique, I'm never going to be able to compete. So it's, it's really looking at that spherical view of what makes an owner an owner and helping to mine out the brilliance that is them. That's, the, that's what I bring. Yeah, fantastic. All right, Monique Allen, your website, thegardencontinuum.com. When someone goes there, what should they click on? Uh, so right away, I would say if you're interested in the coaching side, go to Academy. When you get into Academy, you're going to see all of my open source information. So two blogs, lots of great information. One is a business blog, one's a landscape blog. Um, And um, you can actually sign right up to get a complimentary conversation with me if you'd like. And um, I highly recommend people go to Instagram, Monique at, uh, what is it? At Monique.Allen. Um, because I do Lifescape TV and I talk about business all the time and I have a link tree that just links you to everything. Awesome. All right, Monique yeah. Allen, thank you so much again. Your website, thegardencontinuum.com. Monique, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, we have an audience of over 120,000 that we would love to promote your story to. Please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. I'm also so excited to announce our new Thoughtful Entrepreneur High Ticket Sales Coaching Program, which you can try absolutely free, no credit card needed. Head to upmyinfluence.com slash free. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you do that, tag us with the hashtag upmyinfluence. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. What do you win? Well, we will promote you and retweet you and re-share you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans totally free. Can you also hook us up in your podcast player right now? please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. And we promise to read it all and take action. Thank you if you've done this already. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. 
And while you're at it, please hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 to 20 minutes a day. My name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Thanks for listening and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Thank you.